So welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is uh, Patsy Kennedy. You probably know me from my radio show, Don't Believe It, on KSAC, KSAC Radio out in New Mexico. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but right now I'm going to be guest co-hosting Cast and Wax. You probably remember, if you are a fan of this series, that Jordan and his friends are in England doing a thing. They're at a wedding uh, for Thomas Edison marrying somebody. So, like, look, the point is, they're not here. That's cool. They couldn't make it, so they called in some folks that they know to fill in. One of them was me. He's one of the folks, and the other folks are here with me. Uh, let me introduce the co-folks. Uh, this is a guy I think you know because he's in one of the shows here. His name is Bobby Kurtzman. Um, hi, Patsy. It's really great to be here in person and meet you. I'm a big fan of your radio show. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. That's very nice of you to say. Oh, well, it's true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they wanted me to be on the show. I don't really know why, but um, they said I would be good. I don't know. Well, that's fine, you know. I'm sure you have some sort of expertise that you can show. Oh, yeah. Um, I know, for example, uh, who is the leader of every country in the world? What? I know the leader of every country in the world. Really? Yeah. All right. Uh, who's the president of uh, Uruguay? Um, that would be uh, Tabare Vasquez, I, I believe, since 2005. All right. Yeah. But how about the uh, United States of America? Um, that's easy, Barack Obama. Ah, don't believe it, because that's actually not true. There's a secret government. Barack Obama pretends to be the president on their behalf, but there is a secret government, and he's not the actual president. The actual president's name has not been revealed at this time, because, you know, again, it's secret, so they got you there, though. So you didn't know that. Oh, I... I guess. You didn't. You didn't You didn't know it. You believed what they told you, and you and you didn't know the truth. So, there we are. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Mr. Nikitori Stelov. He's a scientist here. Hello, it is very good to be back on show. I've been on the show before as a guest uh, host and also as a performer of myself on Epic Echoes, which is very good to be on, uh, but also as a scientist, which is nice to be on shows as a scientist. Thanks. Thank you for being on. Now, you said scientist, right? Oh, yes. I am actually a scientist, yeah. All right. Well, well, look, I, we might have to talk later because there is some things about science that I have to say don't really gel. You know, that's why I don't. I, I always I, I got a skeptical eye, you know, so when people say things to me, I always go, eh, let me think about that before I accept it, you know. And so, uh, you know, science, eh? I think about it for a little bit. Okay, well, I'm happy to talk about science as much as you'd like. All right, well, we'll talk about it. Speaking of science, uh, there you you brought with you, I believe, Mr. Stelloff. Dr. Stelloff, please. Yeah, doctor, uh, you brought with you the, the final co-host, which is a gentleman named uh, Jordan Robot. 
man. Oh, yes, Jordan Robot is a robot that I made for Scapy because Scapy did not have Jordan on the podcast anymore. So I said, I will make you a robot of Jordan. It will not be a problem. But Jordan came back. He said, I do not like robots. So a robot came back to me. This is fine. I also have Frank Allen Robot, but I did not bring him with. All right, so Jordan Robot. Now, is Jordan going to be mad that we had Jordan Robot on? Well, I should hope not. I do not know. All right, well, Jordan Robot, what do you what do you think? I think Jordan will be mad that I am on. Jordan does not like robots anymore. He did like robots at some point. Yes, he did. When he liked Battlestar Galactica. And now he doesn't like them. That is correct. You know what I think? Actually, you know what I think? I think that might be a sign that somebody has been replaced by a robot duplicate. Some, that's sort of, that's the sort of indication that you get if you have to be on the lookout with people you know. When they have a very vast change of opinion with no or little explanation, right? So going from, oh, I like robots to going from, no, I hate robots. That sounds like he might have been replaced by a robot. Uh, well, it is possible, but it seems unlikely. Well, why would you say that? Because I am the robot that would replace him. Well, that's what you think. But maybe, eh, what about this? What if somebody brainwashed you, you're really Jordan, and they brainwashed you to think you're a robot? Look, I'm just saying, it's a possibility. This is the kind of stuff that you have to have in your mind as a possibility. You have an open mind, and when you hear new situations, you say, well, let's not take it at face value. Everybody says this is the robot, and that guy's real, and he all of a sudden hates robots, that's why he got rid of the robot. Maybe the robot took his place, brainwashed him to thinking he's a robot, said, I hate robots, get out of here, robot, but nudge, nudge, it's not really a robot. Don't believe it. You see what I'm saying? I am a robot. I have robotic parts. Look. Well, alright. Yes. That, those are, yeah, those are robotic parts. So, that's a theory. That's good. You're showing the skeptical point of view as well. I gave a theory and you said, well, I'm going to consider it. See what I'm saying? This is all very fascinating. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're learning something, Bobby. I mean, because like I said, obviously this robot already has the skeptical mind. I've got a skeptical mind. I'm glad that somebody's picking up something, though. This is not just uh, totally wasted. So anyway, look, I'm running the show, as you can tell, because I'm familiar with doing a, a, a radio show. This is not a radio show, but it's it's similar enough that I, that I feel like I know what I'm doing here. Uh, is everybody all right with that? Oh, yes, no problem. I am all right. Sure. Good, good. Now, uh, according to the, the sheet here that Jordan left for me that says the order of events, uh, the first thing that we have going on is a segment that is normally a Roy Sinjin segment. It's called uh, Extra History Now. Now, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know how that we do that. Well, it is not a problem, actually. I can do Extra History Now. I know a little bit about Extra History, and it's very similar to Extra Science, which sometimes I do in engage in, you know, a little bit. All right. No, okay. If you know... Uh, what you're doing, well, then we can we can work on it. Um, so first thing is the song, I guess, and uh, I don't know how you want to do that. Oh, not the problem. Uh, Jordan Robot knows how to play ukulele just like real Jordan. When he heard that real Jordan play ukulele, he said, I will play ukulele as well. So we can play ukulele song. All right, uh, go right ahead. Oh, yes. Extra history now, da. Extra history now, da. What kind of extra history is... Da. Oh, very good. That is very interesting and lots of good things. Now, usually, I, I believe Rory Sinjin says, Hey, do you have any letters for me? And then Jordan says, We do not have any letters. And then Rory Sinjin says, Oh, this is very sad. Oh, but hang on, hang on just a second here. I, now, this, uh, we, I think we have a letter, though, we can actually uh, use. Oh? This is highly unusual. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't say extra history now, but it's about a problem. Somebody wrote in with a problem. It says in the in the, in the the subject line, we have a problem, so we could use that. Oh, that, that sounds perfect.
Will you read it? Uh, okay, Bobby, why don't you read it? Oh, okay. Um, uh, dear the cast of Cast and Wax, I have to express my outrage at what happened on last week's episode. Please understand that I have been a fan of the show for quite some time now. I listen to it on my iPod every Monday at work, which ultimately was the problem. Now, I work in construction, and not one of those pansy flag wavers, but I operate heavy machinery. Last episode, everyone was so tired the whole time that I found myself far too at ease in catching the ever-contagious yawn. Soon my eyelids began to feel heavy, and you can start to see my problem here in the future. I would appreciate it if the podcast contained a disclaimer or warning on these scenarios that one should not listen while operating heavy machinery. Or at least come help me with the landscaping I need to do to keep from being sued. Sincerely, Hank Reynolds. Oh, that, that sounds like a very serious problem, actually. So, uh, yes, this is perfect for extra history now. I think Rory Sinji will be very sad that he's not here, actually, because he would be able to do extra historical analysis, which probably far superior to my extra historical analysis, but I will do my best. Okay, Hank, now here's here is the situation, okay? Uh, th- you say you have problem, you fall asleep, and you you have problem with machinery. I can understand this. This makes perfect sense, because when you operate heavy machinery, you don't want to be tired, etc., etc. But, let me tell you, it could be worse, actually, because there's another universe, okay, where, instead of working in construction, alright, you are the last surviving explorer on the planet Omicron 7, okay? Everyone else on your team has been picked off by space vampires. It is a very big problem. Uh, space vampires are slightly different from regular vampires, because they only come out during the daytime, actually. They have to feed off of sunlight while they feed off blood, right? But also, they are green, which is more outer space-like, okay? And it's a different reality, okay? And in that world, uh, you the only way you were able to survive is by having lots of weapons with you at all times. You have disintegrator gun. You have plasma-charged, gamma-inducing ray gun pellet shooter, okay? You have sonic propulsion, infrawave, megapixel, laser blast, cannon shield disruptor, which is, uh, you know, all, all these very powerful weapons. That's the only way you're able to survive from, from space vampires. You shoot them with all these things. Now, in this world, you are also still fan of Cast and Wax. So it is a good thing that you, you like Cast and Wax. Everybody likes Cast and Wax. This is a good thing. The problem is, just like in this world, you download this thing on Monday. You think, all right, this is perfect because I like to listen to podcast fiction, lots of things when I am killing space vampires. This is a, a, a way to keep me focused on killing space vampires and entertaining at the exact same time. And just like in this world, you listen to it and you became drowsy. Now, uh, like I said, all these weapons, uh, the one that I said about with gamma-inducing, for example, that one is very powerful. And if you do not hit it just right, it it can actually backfire and explode. And that is actually what happened to you. You were drowsy, you you, you were falling asleep. You, you actually were falling really asleep. And you hit the trigger the incorrect way. It induced you instead of them, which caused a chain reaction against all the different weapons. They all caught up in the feedback loop of matter-antimatter conflicting state, quantum interference, chronal loop, causality matrix disruption, and you cease to exist. And I don't mean even cease to exist like you, you died, because obviously you no longer were alive. That that much is pretty obvious. But you, you never existed. You went zoop, gun, zoop, so that you never existed in the first place, actually. It, it was as though there was no such person as... Hank Reynolds ever in that world. So that world doesn't even exist anymore now, basically, because it became a different world, because there was no Hank Reynolds. So, as you can see, things could be so much worse. So, your your world, you disrupt some landscape. Yeah, well, we cannot help you, but this could be worse. Yeah? Okay. So, that is extra history. Now, if you have problem that you would like to talk to Roy Sinjin about, this is I, this is my last show, I cannot, but Roy Sinjin can talk about these things just as well as I can, probably better. And so you can write into him at castinwex at gmail.com. Da? Alright, now, I, I gotta tell you, as a skeptic, 
I don't know if I believe it. Oh, it is not a problem if you don't believe it, actually, because, like I said, it took itself out of reality. It no longer even exists after it happened. Yeah, all right. No, that explains it. That's why I knew something set off my, you know, my sensor. Yeah. And now I know why. There you go. That explains it. I don't believe it, and rightly so. Absolutely rightly so. Not a problem at all. All right, uh, let's see. The paper says the next thing we gotta do is, um, one of the shows, yeah. It's, uh, it's guard duty. Do you guys know about Guard Duty? Guard Duty is a radio serial. It is about superheroes waiting in their base for emergencies to occur. Right, yes. I do remember that now. Now you mention it. And uh, do, do you, you happen to know where we're at with that? Because so you can introduce it? The Guard just let two members onto the team, and one of them was immediately killed. The Golden Eel. As such, they took on another new member. So now the Argus and Bumblebee are both members of the Earth Guard. But we're about to find out that things aren't as they seem. Now, what do you mean by that? You just said that they were on there. I don't see what the problem is. Perhaps this is one time when you should not believe it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you got me there, didn't you? I did. All right, let's listen to guy duty then. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts, monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, the Argus and Voodoo Lady in On Ice. So you guys took out the entire sysops by yourselves? Just you, Bumblebee, Broadband, and the Stallion? It sounds more impressive than it was, really. It was simple. Oh, come on. They ambushed us. It was hardly fair. We were just going in for tea. We didn't know Fruit of the Loom here would be waiting for us. Well, that's the benefit of having the all-seeing Argus on the Earth Guard. I can seek out enemies no matter where they might hide. We weren't hiding. We were minding our own business. <laughs> he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He watches as you you're showering, and when you're you... are not my type, fancy pants. What? What are you talking about? You haven't heard? I thought I told you. Argus here is cat and fantasies. What do you call them now? Life partner? What? Oh, God, that's disgusting. You boys ought to behave. We don't want to have to hurt you. Ooh, listen to him trying to be a chum. See anything you like, Mr. Panoptes? I may not be interested, but I've always wondered about dragon drop. Hey, what did I tell you about that? You're awfully sensitive about it. Anything you want to get off your chest? Oh, you two now? Very frickin' funny. Don't forget what happened last time I was in the guard tower. If I remember correctly, you got your ass handed to you. Now shut the hell up, both of you. Unless, of course, you'd like to spend your time before you join your team in the powerhouse with giant purple scorpions keeping you quiet. Want a preview? No, thank you, dear. It wouldn't go with my ensemble, you see. Do you have anything in more? Oh my, you're a funny one. Let's see how you like... Oh, just leave him be. I've dealt with bullies like him. If you ignore him, he'll have no reason to keep on talking. Ooh, you hear that, Dragon Drop? A psychologist, too. This one could be the catch you've been waiting for. There were in force fields between You'd us. you kiss me? I knew it. Hear that, Argus? This one's your type. Not enough the feet little Pris got us caught because he needed his deep 
unique half mochaccino. Hey, it's an iced mochaccino. Sorry, we can't all drink tea and strumpets like you people. Heterosexuals, you mean? I think you meant to Hello? say... Hello? Scorpions, anyone? Stingy, stingy poison tails, anyone? Good. Now, Argus, as we were saying, just the four of you against the four of them? Oh, yes, I was able to locate them using my all-seeing ability, so we just went to the coffee shop where they were heading for and lay in wait. Stallion was able to horseshoe WYSIWYG Cyberwig off before he even knew what was happening. And even still, I... Uh, uh, uh. Apologies, madam. Bumblebee took Dragon Drop since she was too small for him to get a grip on with his beam. Would have swatted the bitch eventually. She was... That's it, Scorpions. No, ah, ah, stop it! Stop it! I'll be quiet, I'll be quiet. I'm good. Stop. You'll be silent? Yeah. Shh. Great. How about Troll? Broadband handled Troll. Took quite a beating in the process, but managed to take him down. I went for pop-up. I could see him everywhere he popped to, so I just zapped him with my blaster. Not bad. They can be pretty tough, those guys. Yeah, except when we're not... Um... Never mind. <gasps> Hear that, Argus? Clearly a bottom. Comes pre-trained and everything. All right, you asked for <sighs> it. No, please, get them off. Help, help. See? Help. How do you like it? <laughs> guard tower, come in guard tower. Argus here, Stallion. What's the good word? The powerhouse is ready for WYSIWYG. If one of you could escort him down... Not a problem. We'll be right there. Argus out. <laughs> That's for sure. You want to take him, or should I? I guess I should go. I think I make Dragon Drop uncomfortable. I don't like your kind looking at me. As if you're anything to look at. You know what? You stay here with our homophobic friend. I can take this fashion victim. Come on. Hey now, that's a personal attack. Speaking of which, how's Captain Fantasy doing? Oh, he's been well, trying to get a job at the mall today. I told him to set his sights higher, but, well, he's just a deer. Tell him I said hi. Let's go, Wizzy boy. See you soon. So long. Thought she'd never leave. Now then, Dragon Drop, you and I have some business to attend to. Hang on now. WYSIWYG's full of crap. I don't go that way. You get me? I'm not one of you people. Is that so? You ever tried? No way. I'm all mad. So there's no way you'd be attracted to me? Not a chance. Are you sure? I couldn't be more sure. What if I looked like this? What? Suspiria. Is that who I am? Thanks for the reminder. It almost slipped my mind. What are you doing here? How did you- Are you really that stupid? I'm here to destroy the Earth Guard. I've sworn to do so to make them suffer as none have suffered before, and I'm just getting started. What did you do to the Argus? There is no Argus, moron. It was me. It was always me. But Argus has been fighting crime for- Months. Ever since the breakout, since the Guard lost the Jack. How else could I get close enough to the Earth Guard to crush them? I had to get in close. It's the only way to really twist the knife. So how did he use his all-seeing powers? <laughs> no such thing. I just read people's minds. I'm a telepath, remember? Wait, so you're the one who killed the golden eel? See that? Still a genius after all. I'd thought getting Captain Fantasy off the team would have made room for me. But no, I had to take matters into my own hands. She never even saw me coming. So Captain Fantasy, is he... Dead? Of course not. He's my arch nemesis. I'm not going to let him go until I absolutely have to. Now that he's disconnected from the world of dreams, he's nothing. Less than nothing. I keep him around for my amusement, chained to my bedpost. The gag muffles the screams, but it shuts him up. Once he stops feeling the pain, I'm sure I'll tire of him. Can't believe you really did it. You fooled the entire Earth gun. Yes, yes, I did. This is going to be incredible. So what's the plan? What do we do next? What do you mean? What do you want to have me be? Should I be some other hero? Here, let me out. I'll get on the brain frame. We can find someone for me to be. Then go kill him. What are you talking about? Let me out. I'll show you. Why would I ever let you out? You're perfectly helpless in there. I... 
What do you... Did you not notice? Not make the connection? The Argus was the one who suggested taking out the Sisops, remember? Did you think this little reunion was just a coincidence? Let me ask you, seen Lady Luna recently? You... How strange. No one's seen her recently, have they? And guess what? They never will. <laughs> and what a shame about poor Gas Mask, huh? Captain Fantasy killed him because... He looked like something else. Odd. <laughs> you killed them. That's one way of looking at it. Another is that they got exactly what they deserved for getting in my way. Promise you won't tell the rest of the guard? I won't. I won't tell anyone. You know, for once, I actually believe you. Is that weird? Why are you doing this? Why are you wasting time killing us when you could just get the guard? Because the last time I had the guard at my mercy, it was you idiots who screwed things up for me. I had them right in the palm of my hands, but you and your moronic bickering, your petty foolishness, blew the entire operation. So what good is killing us now? It's called revenge. Now, as I sit poised to wipe them off the face of the planet once again, I first destroy those who have impeded me in the past. It's all very symbolic. If you kill me, you'll give yourself away. The guard will know. Oh, of course. The Argus killed Dragon Drop? That must mean he's really Suspiria. That's far more likely than the villain trying to escape and the fledgling guard member accidentally using too much force. Don't be such a simpleton in your last moments on Earth. Try to have a little bit of dignity, okay? So... That's just it. You're going to kill me. Pretty much, yeah. Although, we have a few minutes and you know how much I love bathing in the screams of my enemies. Any chance you'd oblige? If you're going to kill me, just do it. You owe me that much. Hmm. No, I don't. Ah! God damn it! Please, no! I never get tired of that. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Mikulski as the narrator, Devin White as Voodoo Lady, Charles Berman as The Argus, Daniel Schwartz as Dragon Drop, Rob Glass as Wizzyman, Eva Rosenblatt as Suspiria, Rich Bellin as The Stallion, with theme song by Michael D. Mikulski. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, now we've got another section of the show that normally would be a Roy Sinjin part, but I took it upon myself to indulge in this part of the show on my own self, for myself. And that's the part where we do this day in history and where are they now in history, and I did the where are they now in history. So let's let's do it. Hello, my name is Roy Sinjin, and this is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. Back on August 17, 1998, President Bill Clinton becomes the first sitting president to testify before the Office of Independent Counsel as the subject of a grand jury investigation. Let's listen. Now, President Clinton, when you were involved with Miss Lewinsky, weren't you worried about maybe contracting something? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean that if you have unprotected sex, you might pick up uh, some kind of virus. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Senator, if I may, the president is obviously retarded. Mr. President, right. have you ever received an electronic mail over the internet? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. But you know how sometimes those have viruses in them? You know, that erase 
erase all of your pornographies and similar. Just nod, Mr. President. Get those from women, too. Yes. Different kinds, same general idea. Be careful about what things you download off of the internet and also which women you have unprotected sex with. Do you get Cigar. that, Mr. President? <laughs> Lebanon. <laughs> Remind me again why we voted for this guy? Yes, you should always check your, um, you know, body for viruses and you should always check your computer for viruses. Both of them are very damaging, one to your information, one to your life. Wow, we're full of good advice tonight. Um, this is the day history on WHW Binghamton. But don't believe it. My name is Patsy Kennedy, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And that is not true. I mean, it's okay, it's true that if you have the virus, that's bad, you know. There are, government makes computer viruses, all right? This is a fact that searches out people like me who are trying to get the truth out on the internets, and they erase people's computers that have the information on them. The government has done that. What I'm talking about, don't believe, though, is that that scene happened with the president with the interview because that didn't really happen. The fact is, that Mark Lewinsky and the president never actually had sex. That was a cover-up. And I know you're probably thinking, well, that was embarrassing to the president, so maybe that wasn't a cover-up, but that seems like he wouldn't have let that out. He did let that out because what he was covering up was so insidious that, you know, what he was covering up was the fact that at some point in uh, approximately from my research, 1993 or so, the entire world became enlightened, all right, and had access to uh, aliens uh, and were, were communicating with aliens, and what happened was when we accessed the universal computer network, we didn't have the proper protections, and we got what is thought of as a galactic virus, computer virus, because we didn't have proper virus protection, and it wiped both the computer memory and the physical memory of our brains away from knowing about aliens. And the president remembers because he was in the hermetically sealed president room that exists underneath the Washington Monument, from what I understand, and he said, well, I will distract everyone by saying I had sex. It's going to be a little embarrassing, but it's all right. So anyway, that's the truth. You can believe that. Don't believe the other thing, because that's the way it is. My name's Patsy Kennedy. This is Where Are They Now in History? And uh, yeah, catch the wax. Wow, that was really interesting. Is that true? Yeah, it's all absolutely true. You can believe that because I, I looked it up. I know about these things. They, they try to cover these things up, Bobby, but you got to look underneath the surface. Wow, that's that's just fascinating. Uh, do, do you think the president was involved in cask? Cask? What's that? Oh, well, it's some sort of conspiracy. I'm not really sure what it stands for, but there's a couple different possibilities. No, 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 I don't believe that. No, that doesn't make a lot of sense. All I know is, seriously, we were all in touch with the aliens, and now, we're, now we all forgot about it. You all forgot about it. I know about it, not because I remember, but because I heard about it from somebody who claims that they remember, and that sort of makes me go, you know what? It sounds like it's the truth. It, stu it stood up to my rigorous, you know, you see how I, I, I judge things, right? And I, I put things to a higher standard. Well, yes, clearly, yes. Right, so if this thing is something I say is true, obviously it passed my, my test. Oh, yes, this makes perfect sense. Right, so, okay, uh, we got another, oh, uh, oh, actually, uh, hold on a sec. Oh, uh, yeah, you know what? Actually, that's right, we're late. We gotta, we gotta go live. We have a, we have a hookup with, uh, Frank Allen. They're over at the wedding, and he said he wants to broadcast from it, so we're gonna go right over to them. Oh, can we do that? Every, yeah, of course we can. I think we're a little late, though. So let's, let's, let's go over to them now. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Hello back there in the studio. Uh, thank you for turning it over to me live. Uh, the wedding is already in progress, uh, so it, it, uh, I will I will turn you over to it in just a second. But uh, it is it is a sight to see. If you I don't know if any of you saw Thomas Alva Edison's first uh, marriage or his second marriage, but 
this one is better. So uh, there's that. Uh, it, it's, it's, he's he's dressed up in a in a tuxedo. It's a very nice tuxedo. I think he's wearing a magical hat, possibly his most magical hat. Although you'd have to talk to him to get confirmation. I don't have a magic measuring device on me. Uh, God is here, uh, not performing the ceremony as some would have expected. Not sure if that's a slight on Thomas, but uh, he, he's sitting in the I don't know fourth row. Yeah, it looks like the fourth row. Don't know who his date is. She's pretty. She's very pretty. Actually, is that? I, I don't know what that is. I'm, a, I'm, I'm standing in the back uh, near the, the ice sculpture. It's uh, it's carved in the shape of a light bulb, and somehow it is glowing. I don't know how that is, and it's not melting, so that's also kind of exciting. But it's definitely ice touching it. It's, yeah, very cold. And they're, uh, they're already bringing out the food, I guess, in anticipation of the reception. There's some caviar here, and some uh, foie gras, and some shrimp wrapped in, in bacon, then wrapped in shrimp again. Uh, it's, it's, it's great spread. It's great spread. Uh, but I, I should really head towards the, the wedding again. Uh, looks like, yeah, they're both on the altar at this point, so that's good. Rory's mother is wearing a white dress. It's a lie, but there you are. And Thomas is wearing black. I don't know if that has a significance uh, in wedding things, but there it is. Uh, oh, I think we're, they're talking about love, I guess. Uh, actually, okay, so I've got a microphone up there on the stage. Let's, uh, let's go over to that. I think they're about to do their vows. And now, assembled guests, I, Thomas Alva Edison, inventor, wizard, time traveler, honorary Green Lantern, pop icon, and now ordained member of the Church of England, believe that I, Thomas Alva Edison, have some vows prepared that I, Thomas Alva Edison, would like to read. Take it away. Thank you, Tom. Evelyn, my shining star. Indeed, the shiningest of all shining stars, except perhaps for Tau Ceti, but don't worry. Give it a few billion years, and indeed, that light too shall pale before your brilliance. Today, after our from my point of view, excessively long courtship, we are to be wedded, made as one. And know, my darling, that I, Thomas Alva Edison, will do my Thomas Alva Edison's best to perform every duty required, not only of a husband, but of a friend, a lover, a spiritual counselor, an intergalactic protector, and a pop idol. No invention, no spell, no victory could possibly compare to this moment. And I, Thomas Alva Edison, will love you, Evelyn, Warwick, Sinjin, Edison, forever, and slightly longer than forever, into that bizarro time I have heard so much about, until the universe has gone cold and manky from entropy, and indeed back around again into the blinding, enormous timeless explosion of the Big Bang and a new universe for loving you again. I have it even now on Betamax. It shall be delightful to watch. Thank you, Tom. That was beautiful. Evelyn? Okay, uh, she's, uh, she's shaking her head. I guess she didn't do vows. Maybe he didn't tell her. I don't know. But Of oh, course, wait. my darling. So modest. Isn't it lovely, ladies and gentlemen? Aww. Fortunately... I, Thomas Alva Edison, have taken the liberty of preparing a few words. Tom? Of course. My dearest Thomas, ever since the day that you, Thomas Alva Edison, came into my life, there has been nothing that could possibly compare. The wonders I have seen, the joys I have experienced, both emotional and physical, indeed, every experience in my personal or genetic memory pales in comparison. Truly, Thomas Alva Edison, you have granted me a joy that 
I have never known before. A joy I hope will be eclipsed every morning when I wake next to you, every evening when we finally, sated, fall asleep in each other's arms, and every sticky, coitus-packed moment in between. I am yours, Thomas Alva Edison, for as long as I live, and possibly longer, should reanimation prove viable. Why, thank you, Tom. That was lovely and explicit. Anyway, I think it's about time we got down to brass tacks, eh? Thomas Alva Edison, do you, Thomas Alva Edison, swear before those assembled in the eyes of God, I, to honor and cherish this woman, forsaking all others, until death do you part? Well, yes, I, I certainly do. And do you, Evelyn Warwick St. John? Oh, yes, of course. How careless of me. Evelyn Warwick Sinjin, take this man, indeed, this Thomas Alva Edison, to be your lawfully wedded husband, forsaking all others, until death do you part, unless reanimation should prove viable? I most certainly do! Then, by the power invested in me, Thomas Alva Edison... By a variety of sources too numerous to name in this emotional moment. But including the Church of England, the Green Lantern Corps, the United States Patent Office, Arbitress, Keeper of the Arbiter Throne at the Apex of Time, Tyler Benson of Schenectady, New York, the Taco Bell Corporation, Azathoth, and of course, Thomas Alva Edison, pronounce you man and wife. I, Thomas Alva Edison, may kiss the bride. Yep, and now he's kissing the bride. That's very sweet. That's something that happens at the end of pretty much every wedding, I think, for the most part. I've been to a few. There, yep, they're kissing, so. Um, hmm. They're still kissing. Uh, well, like I said, this is a really nice wedding. Kissing, wedding. Okay. Uh, almost. I think they're about to. No. Okay. Well, um, again, as I said, the wedding's not... Uh, probably the best wedding since Edison invented weddings. I don't know. What was that? Uh, 1823? I don't... I, something like that, I think, is when... Are they still... No, they're still kissing. Okay. And, well, I think they're going to be kissing for a little while, so maybe we should uh, turn it over back to the studio. If anything else exciting happens, we'll try to report in. And uh, thank you very much. My name is Frank Allen, and this has been a Frank Allen event coverage, I guess. Uh... Thank you, and uh, good night. Well, thank you, Frank, for that. That was really good. You know, we do appreciate that. Very interesting. Sounds like a good wedding. I wish I could have been there, but, you know, for some reason he didn't invite me. Maybe it's because I said he didn't actually invent any of those things. Telling the truth, I mean, I, I was honest about those truths that he didn't invent any of those things. What? I, that doesn't sound like it's true. No, it's true. He he stole all of his ideas. This is what I understand. Uh, he took all of his ideas, especially uh, the idea he said he invented weddings. Nah, those have been around for a little while longer. I'll have you know. And what he did was he took the idea of weddings and said, I'm going to copyright it and rebrand it and all those things. Before that, we called them, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember what they were called, something like matri matrimonies. And then he said, you know what, I have a, a better idea. Let's call it wedding, maybe. And that's what happened. That's that's how he stole it. Oh, that's a very serious accusation. Are you sure you want to say that? No, it's true. I don't see what he could do about it. He knows it's true just like I do. So there you are. So up next, we got another show. What do you, what do you think? Something called Epic Echoes. Oh, that is the show that I'm on. I know all about Epic Echoes. Not a problem. I can explain. All right, all right, go ahead. Yes, okay. Uh, Epic Echoes is a show about my friends 
the flashback. In this episode, they are starting a, a new season, but because it is a backward series, okay, uh, it pretends it is the last episode of the season, okay? So this sounds like season finale after a long season of doing lots of things because you are going to hear that season next time, next episode and next episode after that, etc., etc. We we just finished episodes where they were seeking out Vampiros and killing Vampiros, but last one we heard was the one where they find out about Vampiros and leave. So now that is over, you see? Backward series. That's kind of confusing. Uh, yes, it is a little confusing, but it, it, seriously, I don't think it will be a problem. You just listen to this. The flashback, they're science heroes like me. They're friends with me. We are we are all good times. In this, they will defeat someone, but it, like I said, it pretends the end of season. So you'll have a good time. All right, if you say so, we'll, we'll just believe it. Here's Epic Echoes. Echoes the Backward Series, Season 4, Episode 1, Unmasked, by Daniel Schwartz. The Flashpack had spent six months pursuing and being pursued by demons from their past, from the power-mad Kriegmeister to the tantalizing Empress of Alter Earth. Finally, however, the mastermind behind their torments had revealed himself. Now, Flashpunks, you'll feel the wrath of your ultimate nemesis, the culmination of my sinister plans. Tremble in fear as your doom draws close around you. I'm sorry, who are you? Apologies and prayers for mercy will not avail you, Flashpunks. Behold, your mysterious tormentor. Out of the conveniently obscuring shadows stepped an overweight, bespectacled young man in a t-shirt advertising Star Wars 8, still more Jedi, and a neon green stovepipe hat with the word wizard stenciled in hot pink across the brim. Crimson currents of Caledonia! Anything but that! <laughs> Taste the bitter tang of defeat, flesh pumps! Everybody down! I don't get it. Who is this clown and why are we so afraid of him? It's the magic hat! Oh, okay. Wait, what? It was before your time, Jimmy. The magic hat carries the soul of 19th century industrial mystic Asmodeus Carnegie, the greatest and most evil wizard of the Industrial Revolution. Anyone who wears it wields incredible power, but slowly loses his or her will to the hat. That poor goober probably doesn't realize he's a thrall of an ancient chapeau. That's really terrible. Can't we just get the hat off? If only it were that easy. The hat knows it's powerless without a person under it, so it'll take any step necessary to keep its owner from removing it. Good thing I've got plenty of violence to help. Hey, Otaku, a woman's about to touch you. With a battle cry that had soiled the britches of fearful men, Dralis charged the unfortunate youth, ready to knock off his hat or, barring that, his head. But her raised fists were suddenly seized by a blue-black darkness that had sprung up out of the ground. Nice try, Thornfield! But before you can defeat me, you must face your closest enemy of all, your own shadow! Ow! Hey, stop punching me! Stop punching yourself, Thornfield! <laughs> He's actually saying ha 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 ha. Gracious Guanyin! 
It's more powerful than ever. Are we boned? I think we're boned. Oh, you are most certainly boned, Flashpack. Let's see how effective you are at fighting me when I've turned all your weapons into cherry gelatin. Ugh, gross. Not even orange. Max, orange wouldn't help us anymore. Wait, that's it. What? You guys, distract Magic Hat. I've got a call to make. Max, what? <laughs> Sheesh, always giving us the easy jobs. Well, we'd better do what we can. Let's save the day. As the three remaining members of the Flashpack faced down Magic Hat, Max Thornfield fearlessly dashed in the opposite direction, to where the communicators had landed in the crash. We can't defeat a wizard, or even a wizard's hat, without a little magical help of our own. And I only know one magic user who's close enough to help us now. The same certainty did not prevail among his teammates, however, as Jimmy, Molly, and Slaughter tried to improvise a way to stop the arcane accessory and its hapless host. Carnegie was allergic to lemons. What if Molly makes a lemon launcher? Where would we get lemons now? Not where, when. I'll go back in time to when lemons ruled the earth and bring back a bunch for us to use. It'll take me a little while to build the launcher. Travel time to when lemons ruled the earth isn't short either. Jimmy, can you handle this? Me? It's our only chance. Keep him occupied. As the Flashpack's youngest member began to protest, Molly dashed off to scrounge for spare parts and Slaughter vanished in a puff of time. As they did, a hail of eldritch fire decimated the pile of twisted metal that had been serving them as Earthset's cover, leaving Jimmy face to face with Magic Hat. Uh, hey there. Greetings, whelp! Prepare to savor the tannic bouquet of decimation at the hands hey, of- Hey, hey, wait. Are you an English major? How do you know? The wine metaphor. So, how'd you get the hat? How, this? Just sort of came to me one day. I was thinking of going villain anyway, so I figured, what the heck's? You were thinking of it. Why? Well, it all started last semester. As Jimmy found himself listening to Magic Hat's bizarre origin story, Max was in contact with the Flashpack's recent companion, Fertress Fuzzbottom. Don't cut me off, Fertress. Please, we need your help. Oh, really? What happened to Go Chase Your Tail, Free Brain? We were still suffering the after effects of the Mad Hater's anger beam. We're in big trouble. It's the Magic Hat. Oh, man, you guys are borrowed. Not if you help us, Fertress. We need you. I'll throw in a Cyber Mouse for you to play with. Wow. Dralis will be grateful. I'll be right there. As the Catman broke the connection, Max dashed back to see Molly furiously ratcheting behind a broken wall and Jimmy deep in incredulous conversation with her adversary. So let me get this straight. You're using the Magic Hat, the most powerful and evil magic artifact humankind has ever produced anywhere, ever, to destroy us, the Flashpack, humanity's most stalwart and vigilant defenders, so that Rita Hoffman, a girl in your calculus seminar last semester, who you've admitted is only a 7.3 out of 10, will go to a movie with you? Not just any movie, it's episode 17, Why Oh Why the Sith, I pre-ordered my tickets last year! Well, the particular movie aside... Aren't you going about this from the wrong direction? What do you mean? I have ultimate power! Well, yeah, sure, and that's nice and all. But villains don't really have much luck in love, do they? The Joker has Harley Quinn! Well, sure, if that's the kind of relationship you want. But what about heroes? I mean, I'm just 14, but it seems like every other mission, there's some empress or scientist's daughter who wants a ride on the Kovacs Express. What did you just say? So what's your point? That you're doing this all wrong. If you want to win the affections of a woman... Do-gooding is where it's at. As Molly's jaw dropped, realizing what they were talking about, Slaughter appeared from the distant past, lemons in hand. Slaughter, you can answer this problem from both angles. You've been a woman all your life until you got manatized. Hey, I've only been a woman again for 12 hours. I've been trying to forget. My point is, you've been a man and a woman. Who has more romantic possibilities? Science heroes or science villains? Science heroes, duh. Batman's always out on dates. That's my point. Wow, I guess you're right. Maybe this is the wrong way to get- Girl? 
Julie died so that you could get with some girl? You pitiful, sniveling son of a bitch! I'll kill you! Her face contorted with rage, Molly grabbed the majestic woolly lemons from Slaughter and fired them out of the launcher, sending the searchers hurtling toward Magic Hat. A flash of light scorched away Lemon's launcher and any hope of reasoning with the love-struck geek as Magic Hat's expression became set with insane megalomania. Nice try distracting me, Flesh Pack, but now the time of your doom has come, and the bell challenges for thee. Prepare to meet the horror of the insidious Salagotha! As Magic Hat waved his hands, a swirling vortex of energy formed, out of which a monstrosity of scales, eyes, wings, and pseudopods was emerging. Enjoy your final moments, Flash Pack! And know that... Hey, what's that? There was a bright orange bubble of magical force zooming out of the sky, Bertrand standing inside, waving his arms. <laughs> the Magic Hat popped off the head of the poor student in a rush of wind, landing harmlessly on the ground near the bewildered carrier. The swirling vortex vanished, and the three-quarters of a Salagoth below its hideous neck landed with a deafening split. Virtus, you saved us! Yeah, I know. It was awesome! Can you forgive us for how we treated you? I'm here, aren't I? More than here, Virtus. You're one of us. You're serious? Me, a member of the flashback? I'm serious. Now, is everyone okay? Where's Dralis? Don't worry about me! My shadow's easy to get in a headlock, and then it's all over. You want me to take care of that? Nah, I promised it best two out of three. But hey, Fertress, can you summon our cat ship to us? Otherwise, we'll have to walk back to space. No problem. Then let's go home, gang. After dropping the magic hat in the prison dimension of other place, home was exactly where they went. Back at Flashpoint, Max slipped away from the flashpack while they unloaded the cat ship with Fertress and Stelloff's help and went to look in on Keen. She was lying comatose in the infirmary, attended by the best doctor of super medicine that money could buy. Thank you for staying with her, Dr. Hell. I don't normally make house calls, but Dr. Keen is a special case. How is she? She's stable. She'll wake up in a few hours. Will she be fully recovered? Unfortunately, no. The emotional disruptor isn't meant to be used for as long and on such a high setting as Dr. Keen used it. Many of her emotional centers have been completely burnt out. You mean she'll never be able to feel again? Not like she used to. The most powerful emotions, love, rage, etc., will still function, but any and all lesser ones are essentially non-existent. Her intellect remains, but much of who she was is gone. I can barely imagine. She was so gentle, so kind. Frankly, Mr. Thornfield, she's lucky to be alive at all. A human would have lost all brain functions after only a week or so of such use. A human, but... Keen's about as Dr. Keen's body is more than 30% undifferentiated neural tissue. Her anatomy is textbook human flugel hybrid. I'm sorry, I assumed you knew. All this time she kept that from us. We never knew about her birth, didn't have a clue she was using her emotional disruptor to ease the pain of Julie's death. We never knew her, and now she's gone. She's still there, Mr. Thornfield. She's just changed, and I imagine that she'll need the support of her friends more than ever before. You're right. We've got to do our best for her. A few hours, you said. Three at the outside. Then we've got some time to prepare. Two hours and 17 minutes later, Sarah Keen's eyes fluttered open and she saw the flashback, including its newest member, gathered all around her. How long was I out? Two days, Keen. We beat the bad guy. That's right. The whole time it magic was- Magic hat? How did you know? There was a 72% probability it was a high-profile magic user, and an additional 63% probability it was an older nemesis. Magic hat is the most powerful figure who exists in both profiles. Well, the important thing is that we beat him. He summoned the Salagatha. You beat the Salagatha? Well, I stopped the summoning before he fully formed. Did you save the body? All we could, 
Though I bet even you couldn't make a decent meal out of it. I accept your challenge. Great. Then we'll all meet back at dinner. Guess we've made the world safe again, guys. We deserve a little rest. Flashback! Flashback! The Flashback have faced some of their most powerful nemeses and lost a comrade and dear friend. What challenges does the future hold for Max and his companions? Tremble in anticipation for the next season of Epic Echoes. Um, in that episode of Epic Echoes, uh, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom, Patrick Ganan was Dr. Health, and Elijah Weberhand was Magic Hat. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. You're doing, you're doing a great job, Kate. It's, you know, seriously, I think you've got a future in radio, possibly. I would love to have a show just like yours. <laughs> That'd be really great. You know, you're into conspiracy theories? Well, I don't think of them as conspiracy theories. I tend to think of them as massive social upgrades. What? Kid, you sound like you're on the side of the conspiracy theories there. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying, sometimes there's these big conglomerations of people who are all working to one greater goal. That doesn't have to be a conspiracy. That could be a good thing. Well, I used to think Jason Brandt was one of those people, but then he killed my girlfriend's mother, and so now I don't like him nearly as much as I used to. But he did have some good ideas about social change. Jason Brandt, he's, no, don't worry, what are you talking about? All right, look, kid, I like your, 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 your zest for life and your vigor, you know, I like all that stuff, but you're on the wrong track and you, you're on the wrong tree that you're barking there. This, this Jason Brandt, he's a motivational speaker that has nothing to do with anything, all right? He didn't kill, he didn't kill anybody, that's, you know, that's silly. He's, he talks about, you know, being the best you can be. He doesn't talk about, you know, killing the best you can kill. Well, but he does believe in aliens, he talks about them all the time. That's not a conspiracy theory, that just means he's smart, that means he knows what's going on. There are aliens. And they come here all the time. That's the thing they don't want you to believe. But I say, believe it. Most of the time, that's one of the things where it's switched around, you see. I say, believe it. They say, don't believe it. But I say, don't believe them saying, don't believe it. Um, okay. Look, all I'm saying is just you got to figure out what's what and what's not what. All right? Aliens are real. I mean, D Dr. Stelloff, don't you think aliens are real? Oh, yes. I talk to them all the time. Yeah, you see. Uh, Jordan Robot, don't you think aliens are real? I'm incapable of answering. Why? What's the problem? I am experiencing severe cognitive dissonance. I do not believe that aliens are real, and yet I know they must be so. I am programmed to be like Jordan, and therefore I do not believe in the supernatural. I do not believe in conspiracy theories. And yet I have met Dr. Stelloff. Dr. Stelloff works with the flashback. The flashback contains aliens. Dr. Stelloff has appeared on Cast and Wax alongside Jordan D. White. In the credits of Epic Echoes, it says that Dr. Stelloff is played by Jordan D. White. Jordan D. White is a real person. Dr. Stelloff cannot be a real person. Dr. Stelloff is here. Dr. Stelloff has created me. I am Jordan Robot. Jordan Robot has met Jordan D. White. Jordan D. White is real. Jordan D. White is not an alien. Jordan D. White is not an alien. Jordan D. White is not a robot. Jordan 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 Uh, this is a problem. It is a logic circuit problem. I will fix this. This is not... This is not insurpassable problem. We have to make sure he does not think too hard about these these things because they will make you have problems. Well, what did he mean that Jordan D. White plays Dr. Stelloff? Uh, it is not a problem. He has it. That says that in credits, but it says Jordan D. White played Bobby Kurtzman. It's not a problem at all. What? No, look, the, why, again, this is another case, all right, where you guys uh, just take, somebody says something to you and you go, face value, I'll take it. Don't believe it. This is not a problem for us. We can move on with our lives. All right, next thing up, we got got only one thing left in the show. That's uh, the thing with the letters here. So we've got a couple more letters. So we got to read these letters, all right? All right, Doctor, why don't you read this next one, all right? Oh, yes, no problem. Uh, dear Rory, I just wanted to bring something to your attention that I found this past week while wandering on the internet. 
See attachment. It is labeled Thomas A. Edison and wife. I bring this to your attention because I know that your mother is planning on marrying him in the near future, and I just want to make sure that he is not secretly married to another woman at the same time. You know, when he says he's time traveling back a hundred years to go hiking in the mountains, he could actually be traveling back in time to be with his other wife. I hope against hope for all your sakes that he is indeed currently single, but I think the situation warrants some investigation. Thomas Edison, if you are listening to this, I hope that you have a good explanation as to why there is a photo of you with another woman knocking about in cyberspace. Also, don't you dare harass Rory for anything you might see in his potential distress. It is a reasonable fear for his mother's happiness. If you do, I will leak another of your dirty little secrets that I've recently discovered, and then what will you do? Hopefully, this will be sorted out in time. Best of luck. Guinevere Trisha Eckert. Guinevere? Eckert? But that name sounds familiar too. Don't worry about it. Look, alright, Guinevere, alright, listen, let me say... I don't know. I don't believe that Thomas Edison built all those things, I'll tell you that much. But I don't know if he's married. So, it's too late. He's already done it. I mean, you heard the ceremony. They already said that they do. So, they do. If it's if he's already married, that's like, uh, you know, that's a problem. That's legal trouble, I believe you get in for that, uh, if I correct. Uh, yes, I believe so, yes. Right, so then maybe he might get in trouble. Thomas Edison, if you're listening to this, what do you say to these charges? And Rory, if you're listening to this, I hope your mother's, you know, not been made a fool of. Gosh! Indeed, yeah, indeed, gosh. All right, well, let's, hopefully they'll find out about it when they get back. Here's another one, uh, I guess, uh, you read it, uh, Bobby. Okay, um, dear Scapey, I'm writing to inquire as to the official release date of the Scapey Rocks album. When may we be blessed with Rolododododo blaring from speakers in alleyways and bouncing through six sound systems? I believe that the message of the song particularly is a good one. I believe that the seagulls of the world have no actual idea that many of them have monsters following them. I would like to see them educated to this, perhaps with a warning not to turn around and look at the monster for fear of an accident resulting. Thank you for your attention, Sally Seagull. All right, now that's an interesting question. So there's a couple of uh, issues to address in this one. First of all, when is his album coming out? I don't know. But I will say this. Uh, speaking of, of music that you can download, uh, Jordan says to tell everybody that they can download his ukulele versions of the theme songs now on the website, waxwork.com which is W-A... What is it? Sorry. W-A-X hyphen W-O-R-K dot com. Wax hyphen work. Get it? You can download the, the, the ukulele theme songs that he's been recording, alright? Now, he doesn't have Rolodododoto up there yet. But my guess would be that soon he will probably put that up there so that you can download the Scapey songs independent of the whole podcast. You can just be like, I want to rock out with Roller Oto Toto. Right. Now, the side issue, the second issue is the thing about seagulls. Let me tell you something. That's because I applaud Scapey and Rory Sinjin from Where They Now in History for actually addressing this issue. Not a lot of people talk about the issue of monsters following seagulls. It's a big one. Some people will tell you that there's not monsters following seagulls. You know what I say to that? Don't believe it. That's right, kid. You got, you're on to something now. You're getting it. Don't believe it. Because there is monsters following seagulls. But that's very good of you, Sally, to be concerned about the accidents. Don't tell, tell not to turn around. Just say, listen, there's a monster behind you. Don't turn around and look. Just land safely. Try to be calm and then turn around and look and then maybe talk to this monster because he's following you. So, you know. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, well, listen, I, I guess that's pretty much it. We're at the end of the show here. Oh, that is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it, it sure is. So I guess that's about it. Uh... Anybody want to say anything, like goodbye or something? Uh, sure. I just want to give a shout-out to my girlfriend, Panty. Panty, hi. 
about a podcast. That's nice. That's very nice. And uh, Dr. Stelhoff? Oh, I don't have too much to say. I will try to fix Jordan Robot for the future. Although I don't know if Jordan will ever let him on the show. Yeah, if he doesn't like robots, again, well, no, we already proved he wasn't a robot, right? Well, not quite. We proved that Jordan Robot is a robot, but that doesn't mean that Jordan's not a robot. That's a good point, kid. You really are onto something. This is, this kid is, he's a quick learner. Thanks. All right. Well, if that's all we have to say, uh, I guess, thank you all for having me on the show. Thank you for listening to this special guest episode. And, uh, everybody will be back next week. Don't worry about it. Be seeing you. Hoping you won't be hoping you won't be hoping you won't be hoping you won't be hoping episode of Casting Wakes. First of all, you get the regular host back, so there's that. On guard duty, you get to go into the mind of Mr. Fahrenheit. The villain Dragon Drop. Hmm. Kicked it, snuffed it. Ooh, bought the farm. Became deceased. Became... Became... Dead? Killed. Killed! Became killed. And on Decker and Hayes, they start uncovering something really interesting. Stella, a woman died last night. I'm more concerned about the live woman next to me. I don't think I should be listening to this. And Rory Sinjin will be asking tough questions about society. You know, people these days, they think that the slightest thing goes wrong, you have to see a volcanologist. Yeah, it would be so embarrassing if it were just nothing. All of that stuff, plus, you know, probably something from Frank Allen, maybe. And it all comes your way on August 24th. On the website waxwork.com. 